And so that kind of created a crisis in my life of, um, God, what are you calling me to now? And so a crisis of faith to a certain extent, I trusted him completely. I knew that he would be faithful, but I really felt a loss of significance in my life and I just didn't know what God was doing. Erica Heikla traversed the halls of power in our nation's capital. While that sounds like a phrase straight out of a high school history book, that is what she did, literally. So how did she get from Washington, D.C. to Washington State? And where does her identity come from now? Hello and welcome to the Hill Stories podcast, a space to tell the God stories unique to the people at Chapel Hill Presbyterian Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. I'm your host, David Wilson. We have had stories of discouragement, circumstances forced upon us or others, and journeys of discovery, but today's guest is going through every bit as much of a change as any of our other guests, but it's been more of a prompting from the Holy Spirit and not something forced upon her. Erica is with us today, and it's a story with particular significance during this time of COVID-19. Where would you like to begin? Hmm. Well, I guess to introduce myself, I'm a mom, probably the most important job I have, a wife uh, to my husband, Heath. Our children are, we have three girls. Our oldest is 12 and in seventh grade, my middle daughter is nine, almost 10, and my youngest is five. Going into kindergarten, she just lost her first tooth. I can't believe that she's <laughs> growing up. None of my other kids lost their first tooth before kindergarten, so I just feel like my baby's growing up. But we're right in the thick of things in parenthood. Of course, COVID-19 has changed a lot of things just in our day-to-day -day lives. We've had a lot more time together as a family, and that's brought about some good things and some hard things too. But yeah, that's where we are. And, and I, I homeschool my younger two. My oldest is in a local Christian school, but my story is really one of seeing God's hand in my life as he prompted me to uh, leave my previous career and become a mom and accepting that as more of a vocation and homeschooling too as a part of that vocation and education in general. He's really given me a heart for. So yeah, that's just a little brief overview, I guess, my story. Well, where does it start? Yeah, I um, graduated from SPU locally um, in Seattle with a degree in political science in 2000. And then I moved back to Washington, D.C. I thought God had really called me to work in government and politics. I had always had a burden for our country and um, just seeing the brokenness in our society, I felt like God had called me to be a part of helping in those broken places and particularly in policy making. So that's what I did. I moved back there and I ended up working for several members of Congress and enjoyed that. I think you go back there thinking you're going to do all of these wonderful things, but a lot of what you do is, and especially I think in government, government can do a lot of harm too, <laughs> a lot of bad things. And so a lot of what I was doing maybe was just trying to improve upon some things that weren't good, you know, I don't know. 
And so it was frustrating at times, but it was very wonderful. I worked with some wonderful Christian people, just felt very satisfied in that and felt like God had called me there. So that's, I guess, sort of a little bit of the start of this story. See, I've been married about six years when we had our first little girl. And I, um, I remember we went to look at childcare and at a place kind of down the street from the Capitol. And I walked in and they showed us around and I remember seeing the little kids on the floor and I said, well, do you ever pick them up and hold them? You know, cause I was trying to envision my little baby being there. I was pregnant at the time. I hadn't had her yet. And we were just kind of seeing what was available. And um, they said, no, we don't pick them up because we don't want them to, we, we will pick them up, but we don't do that um, a lot because we don't want them to feel like they're favorites or that kind of thing. And I just remember my heart kind of breaking in that moment. <laughs> and I couldn't imagine placing my little baby there. And so uh, after she was born, I was still wrestling with this and going back to work. And I just, I think I just had the sense from the Holy Spirit that I needed to quit my job and I had such long hours anyways. I would work at times till, you know, after midnight, that kind of thing. And I just knew I couldn't keep that up with having a baby. It's about that time, my husband, we're both from Washington State originally, so he was able to get a transfer of sorts. His client wanted him to work back here. We ended up moving home. That took me out of my environment um, in DC, my community. Of course, I wasn't working anymore. And so that kind of created a crisis in my life of, um, God, what are you calling me to now? And so a crisis of faith to a certain extent. I trusted him completely. I knew that he would be faithful, but I really felt a loss of significance in my life. And I just didn't know what God was doing. You came back here after the birth? Mm -hmm. Karen, my oldest, was about one when we moved back. Yeah. And so then we lived in Tacoma for about a year trying to figure out where to end up. And we decided we love Chapel Hill, actually. And that's really what brought us to Gig Harbor. My family is about an hour from here. So they were close. And they, I have family in the area here, even in Gig Harbor, my aunt and uncle. So we settled on this place. And I continued to just kind of wrestle with calling and of course, I was a mom and, you know, changing diapers and all that kind of thing. And then we were pregnant with my second daughter shortly thereafter and was just in the thick of, you know, having having babies and toddlers and all of that. So, yeah, I think I really just was wrestling through that. And if I go back to my journal during that time, I'm just, God, what are you doing? What are you calling me to? I don't feel significant. And I think every mother can relate there. So you just, you know, you change the diapers, you wash the dishes, you play on the floor with your kid. And, and so I knew I'd had this sense of calling to our culture to, to I don't know, a burden to bring Christ into the place in which he's called me. And so I sensed strongly when I was in DC what I needed to do. But now as a mom, I didn't know how to take that, that burden and um, what to do with it. <laughs> So you're sitting here, you're wrestling. I've got career on one hand, I've got children on the other hand. Um, I've got a family that I'm trying to take care of and do the best I can with, but you weren't exactly sure which direction to go. But a, a couple things came along to help you think a little more deeply about it. What were yeah. those? Yeah. So um, two things, really. I, I enrolled, actually right before I moved out here, I enrolled 
in a program, it's now called the Colson Fellows, but it's Chuck Colson's program for training people and having a Christian worldview that helped me think more broadly about all of life, to think Christianly about all of life, to not separate my life into the sacred and the secular. And I had always done this in policy, I felt like, or in thinking through which ideas would be you know, based on a biblical worldview or not, but I hadn't thought about it in the sense of motherhood. So being in that program did help me. Abraham Kuyper, I love this quote, he says, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. And that was one of Chuck Colson's favorite quotes. He always loved to say that. And I think I was, now I was living it as a mom. I said, okay, so this square inch of of my life, of humanity, being a mom, that is Christ too. And what does that look like? So I started thinking about motherhood in, in those terms. And then secondly, I read a book, it was an e-book actually, by a gal I'd known who'd worked in, in Congress as well. She had produced it with Barna. It was called Wonder Women. And it was really her wrestling with this very same issue. And this really hit home for me, particularly because she talked about how in D.C., Everything is about, you know, the first thing you say at a party or would ask is, you know, who do you work for? Where do you work? And it's all about what you do and who you work for, really. So now I was just in the same boat. And, um, but she said in her book, parenting is a culture-shaping enterprise, an idea that is rooted in a holistic view of the world and a mom's place in it. And I just thought, yes, it is a culture-shaping enterprise. What I am doing is perhaps even more significant, it is, than what I was doing in the policy world. Chuck Colson would always say this too, that, that government is downstream from culture. And so here I was now a mom, and I'm helping shape culture by raising these little human beings, these little miracles, to love God and pass the baton of faith onto them and to help them pursue the calling on their lives. So I just, it just gave so much significance to what I was doing as a mom, even in the daily mundane things that we do. So anyway, that just brought purpose. And Kate Harris, who wrote the book Wonder Women, she talked also about how motherhood is a part of a, a vocation with a capital V. It's not just a job, one little job, just like my, what I did previously wasn't just one job, all of it's a part of a bigger calling on our lives, a bigger vocation. And so I appreciated that. And one thing in particular, she said, it, she gave the example of Christ in the incarnation. And she said that as he put the limitations of coming to earth in human form, that he entered into a specific time, a specific place, in a certain family and relationships, with certain circumstances, and of course, in the flesh, which has its own um, limitations. Of course, he's fully God at the same time. He can do anything. He's all powerful. But he entered into these limitations so that he could fulfill his purpose to redeem us from our sin. Just that picture of the incarnation that helped me just see that the limitations and constraints I was feeling in my life at the time, um, having kids, living in a place where I couldn't do the things I had previously done, not knowing many people, all of these things that I felt as constraints or limitations, God was going to use that for some purpose that maybe I didn't even know yet. And I needed to think about those things, not in 
as um, limitations, but as maybe a way to clarify in my own heart what God was doing and what he was calling me to. And that motherhood was a, was a part of all of that. So, yeah. Well, let me see if I can summarize just a little bit, because you, you mentioned Chuck Colson and the uh, Colson Fellows, which used to be called the Christian Worldview Fellowship. And basically from that, you received a Christian lens to look through the world, that you were able to interpret life and reality through the lens of a Christian viewpoint. And then you also have Kate Harris's book where she's talking about motherhood is not just this thing that you do, not just part-time, not just a phase, but rather a lifelong response to God's call in our lives. Mm -hmm. So these came together and then you realize that you're able to do everything that you're supposed to do, not in spite of your limitations, but because of your limitations, mm -hmm. that God is working through you. Does mm -hmm. that seem yeah. reasonable? Yeah, no, that's a great summary. And I think as I embraced those limitations and appreciated them, then I could just rest. I could rest and not try to strive anymore towards anything in my mind that I thought I was supposed to be doing. I could just rest in the particular uh, things in my life, such as having children. And, and this is where God has me right now. He has ordained for me to be right here, right now. And what does he want me to do with it? And of course, as my kids got a little older, I started thinking about their education. And of course, also just, uh, I remember thinking about Deuteronomy 6, where the Lord tells us, where through Moses, uh, God tells us to teach our children to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Um, and we're to impress these on our children, to talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. And so these scriptures, I was sort of marinating in and thinking, okay, so what does that mean as I'm uh, raising my children now for education? What does that look like? And so he began to point me to homeschooling. And that was something I don't think that I ever thought I had been working in education policy. I supported homeschooling. I'd been homeschooled for many, about five years myself growing up. But I just thought, no, that's not going to be for us. I had assumed I'd at some point maybe get a part-time job, send my kids off to school. So I hadn't thought about it. But when I began to think about these scriptures and my little ones, well, how will I have the time to raise them in this way to love God? Um, I need more time with them. And then I, we did go visit a few schools. And for particularly my oldest child, there really wasn't a good fit for her. She was quite advanced in reading. I was going to have to set her back like a year or two. Really, I mean, she it was clearly God had given her a gift in reading. And um, I wanted to help her continue in that love for reading. And so my neighbor, also from Chapel Hill, she was homeschooling and she began to point me to some resources. So that's how our journey uh, with homeschooling began. And, you know, like any journey, it's not perfect. And we've um, also sent our kids to at different times, depending on our sort of our situation and family circumstance, they've, they've gone to a Christian school a little bit as well. But in general, we have loved homeschooling. And I just love the time with my kids. I really feel like, especially in today's busy world, 
if they're at school all day and they go to their activities all night, <laughs> which is how it feels, especially as they get older, I just, we don't have much time with our kids. And I think homeschooling has afforded me more time with them to help develop them and to see the, the unique ways God has made them and to help draw that out in their lives and to see them come alive with a love for learning and a love for God. So being able to look at the ways God, God has made each of my kids and they're all different. They really are. My oldest has a gift for language. My middle one loves to dance. And sometimes in homeschooling, she can, you know, when she's at home, she'll take dance breaks, you know, and she wouldn't be able to do that, you know, at school necessarily. Um, my youngest, I can tell already, she even asked her preschool teacher last year to do more science, she asked her. So she is going to be my hands-on uh, lover of science. And she's also, she asks really deep questions about God more than my other kids. And I love that I can talk with those things about her during the school day. So as we're discovering something new together, I'm not limited in that sense by, you know, with the classroom, with the goal of, you know, for the year for that particular class might be, I can go down a rabbit trail with each child and, and help them develop that love for um, a particular subject or a book or something like that, that that's unique to them. So... Yeah, I love them. You've also made it pretty clear that this is currently working for you. This is the process that you went through to develop this, but this may not be for everybody. Mm -hmm. How yeah. do you look at that for all the families that are going through the, the COVID-19 situation that we're in right now? There's a lot of different options out there. A lot of people not sure what to do or how to do it. What would be your advice or ideas regarding that? Mm -hmm. Well, I'd be the first to admit that sometimes, some years for us, we have decided, you know, I think this year, this particular child needs a little more structure than I could provide because I had a brand new baby. So we put one child in school that year. And so I think you have to evaluate what's going on in your family, your particular children. I do know that because of COVID, though, there are a lot of moms that are thinking about homeschooling for the first time because it does provide some consistency that... Um, and certainty that sending them to school right now doesn't offer. And so several moms have reached out to me over the summer and I've been able to talk with them about all of this. And so I think you have to listen to the Holy Spirit in your own heart. And if you feel that God is nudging you in that way, I would encourage you to do it because um, he will equip you if he's calling you. So this, I'm not... I never want anybody to think that this is the only way to do it. It has been a wonderful thing um, in our family. And um, I guess if you feel that God's nudging you in that way, it could be a really great. And, and not just, a, um, you know, maybe it's just for a year. Maybe it's more long-term. Maybe God is doing something new. I think the COVID situation is a limitation I see on our lives right now and a constraint. And I've had to reevaluate some things and say, okay, God, what are you doing in our family's life right now because of this? We've had a lot more time together, so maybe time to work on some relationships that before we could kind of, you know, if things, certain behaviors or bad habits are cropping up, we could just sort of stuff them under the rug, you know, but now we've had to been able to spend time on working through some of those patterns in our life that need God's intervention. 
And so I would just urge people, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about homeschooling, consider it. And it really doesn't, it's not that hard. Don't be afraid of it. It is um, all it takes is I was listening to one of my favorite podcasters the other day, Sally Clarkson, who just wrote a book called A Waking Wonder. It's brand new. She said, all it takes is to sit along the same side of the table as your child and to learn together. And I just love that because you're never going to be an expert on everything. You're not going to, you, you know, we're always learning, but until you can just sit beside your child and discover things with them, your child will come to love learning with you. And I think as they see your excitement about a particular subject, they will get excited too. So God will equip you along the way as you sit by your child. And even more than that, I think what I'm getting from you is not only will God equip us, but the key is to be involved, Mm -hmm. to just be a part of the journey of your children, whatever decision you make regarding their particular education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and God will use that time spent with them, and he'll also shape you. It's, I think, homeschooling, we think it's all about the kids, but a lot of times God shapes our hearts in new ways. And I would say homeschooling has been one of the most sanctifying things I could ever do because it exposes a lot of your own sin. <laughs> I mean, quite frankly, the kids see the, the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, but it forces you to go, God, I need you more than ever um, to depend on him for everything. It brings you to your knees and it brings about confession and growth in areas that again, maybe you wouldn't um, have even considered before. So yeah, it's, it's the, I think homeschooling has redeemed my own life in a certain way and redeemed my own education. I have grown in my love for the Lord, in my trust of him, in a love for the world that he made. I, I, I always knew that you know, we could see God in the handiwork in in nature and, and, you know, creation that he created, but I've come to see that we can also see him and his hand through music and language and art and beauty, and he's the ultimate artist, and so I think my, just my love for God has grown, and I hope my kids have gotten a little bit of that too. That's really fairly inspirational, (laughs) so I do appreciate that. I know I have had a little homeschooling experience, and uh, I have a new appreciation for math, especially when they get a little older. It's, <laughs> it's, it is, uh, and I'm, I'm serious about that, that, you know, nobody really liked math a whole lot when they were going through school, but I realize math is more along the lines of logic. It mm-hmm. helps us to think more clearly, and mm-hmm. you know, it's amazing what we can learn about ourselves when we go through a process like that. Mm-hmm. And how God made the world, that he is the ultimate mathematician. And everything we see, um, you start to see patterns in creation and that kind of thing that points us to how God made the world. And through math, we can discern that and see that in the patterns in math. And through science, layers of miracles. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always marvel at how we discover the secret to something only to realize there's 10 more questions underneath (laughs) that secret. Right. Are there some major things when you were starting out that uh, were hurdles um, that you had to overcome? And how do you recommend someone overcoming the hurdle of going into homeschooling or changing their life around the way you did? Mm, I think I didn't feel adequate to be a teacher to my kids. And um, 
I didn't have a background in teaching or anything like that. And so I think trusting the Lord that he had made me uniquely for my kids. I didn't have to be somebody else. I didn't have to have a teaching degree. I could trust that he had had made me the mom of these particular children in this particular time and the heart he had given me even for our culture and um, for the Lord that he was going to use that even in how I maybe talked with my kids and raised them the kinds of things that we would do that was unique to our family and and that was okay it didn't have to look like a school it didn't have to look like another classroom or anything I could just rest in the way that God had made me and our family and know that that was enough for my kids. Is there anything we haven't touched upon? Um, I guess one other thing. I, I think um, I would say you don't even have to join a co-op. Just find another family or two to do life with. Maybe go on nature walks with your kids, play dates, read a book together, a novel if you have kids about the same age and discuss it. And find a mom you can pray with and, and talk with as you go. So um, I know I'd be happy to talk with anyone that wanted to talk about homeschooling. I know there are many others out there. Um, I may be, I think I'm going to be doing a mom's book study on the Awaking Wonder book that Sally Clarkson just wrote that I mentioned. So if anybody was interested in that, they could contact me. But yeah, I guess do it in community and pray for that friend or two that you can, can join with as you homeschool your kids. The thing that I love about that book that I mentioned, um, Awaking Wonder, is it's speaking to all families, all parents, um, whether you homeschool or not. And I think that's the message that I want to convey is that um, you are called to steward your own children and God has placed you as the parents of your children and no matter what educational setting they're in you're still responsible to raise them and so that means getting involved wherever they are and for me for my oldest who will be in a school this year it means I'm getting I'm getting to know our teachers I'm going to be reading some books with her at home uh, together we do a devotional together so there are things you can do at home, no matter where your kids are, whether I would say whether they're in a Christian school, a public school, it doesn't matter. Uh, God has called us to be involved in our kids' lives and to develop in them a love for God, to, to raise them to love the Lord. And of course, ultimately, they're, they're going to stand before God themselves. I can't force my children to, to follow him, but hopefully the way I raise them will, will encourage that, but also to develop a love for learning. And I think we can do that in just in our homes no matter what, whether it's taking trips together and talking about God's creation and watching a movie that maybe helps you learn a little bit more about a particular subject. I know the other night we all watched the Apollo National Geographic uh, film together and we had this summer gone out to see the, the Neowise comet and just seeing how the universe displays God's handiwork and being able to talk about that after we watch a movie or go outside, that kind of thing. We can do that no matter what. You know, everyone can help develop a love for learning in their children. Thank you very much for your time, Erica. You're welcome. It's been my pleasure. This has been Hill Stories, originating at Chapel Hill Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. The opinions expressed are those of the participants for the edification of our listeners and do not necessarily reflect those of Chapel Hill leadership or the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. The resources Erica mentioned are listed with the description for this episode. If you would like more information or to submit an idea for a future episode, 
Our email address is hillstories at chapelhillpc.org. For everyone here at Chapel Hill, I'm David Wilson. Thank you, and God bless.